Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction and our guy Mike Regina with the wonderful intro music. This is the March Madness edition of JT and the Don, but don't worry. We've got you covered with the NFL free agent frenzy that's been going on. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? Good, but I feel feel like we should feel a little embarrassed and ashamed because I feel like ever since we started this whole movie thing, you moved first, I moved second. I feel like we've been really busy with that. So some of the fans and friends have been calling us out about not doing episodes. So we apologize. We'll get more on it. We'll we'll be more consistent. But I'll tell you what, us being busy with home stuff has definitely gotten me to do a lot of things that I didn't do last year. So I've been watching a lot of movies. And I, before we start, I'm going to talk about something totally unrelated to sports. I, got, I know I say this to you off air sometimes. Dude, we, people got to give props to the movie Creed. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that movie since I moved. How did this movie win no Oscars? How? I don't know. It, it is a great movie. Obviously, you know, I love it. I love the all the Rockies. I love both Creed movies. Um, I don't know. Good question. Good question. Maybe it was a strong year for other movies. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what came out that year, but damn. Like, how do you not, how do you watch that movie and not say, you know what? I feel the emotion of this story. Yeah. Like, this is a good movie, man. Right. It's got the present with Creed's son, and then it has the past where you still got Stallone in it. It's got the best of both worlds, you know? You still think Rocky's better? Man, it's tough to beat the original. You know, one of my favorites actually is Rocky II, um, because I think that has the whole storyline of everything, right? Beginning with his um, injuries, retiring possibly. Uh, him and him and Adrian kind of there's the conflict there and then his training and then he actually wins so there there's a little bit of everything in Rocky too um but listen can't go wrong with any of them out of those three movies which one have you watched the most to be honest well it's not Creed just because it's closer in time yes there hasn't been enough reruns of it on television mainstream television yet i'd have to say probably rocky the original right. of those i think three. it's creed for me of, i've seen rocky all the rockies a bunch of times i think i've watched this movie inadvertently more times than i should have but shout out to creed shout out to michael b shout out to sly all right well we this is kind of the march madness edition of jt and the dawn but jt why don't we go to some NFL football free agency first? How about that? So last Friday morning, it was announced Cam Newton would be resigning 
with the New England Patriots on a one-year incentive-heavy deal worth up to possibly $14 million. JT, why do you think the Patriots went the route of re-signing Cam Newton for the upcoming season? Because they couldn't swing a deal to get Jimmy Garoppolo back. <laughs> I think that's what Belichick ultimately wanted to do. Shanahan shut that down. So they're like, you know what, Cam? Didn't work out. You mind being our backup plan? And of course, $14 million, if he makes it through the season, he'll probably see most of that. Also, I think Bill knows that um, Cam is better than he was last year. And some of his struggles last year were on, you know, Bill and what he put out there around him. And I think last season humbled Belichick as well. The system is good, but also so is Brady. So I think he wanted to run it back with Cam to prove something. Yeah, good point with Jimmy G. I want to start there in that the QBs all of a sudden are like in a holding pattern, it seems. They're like hoarding them, like. Like, even if you're not sure about a quarterback, they're right. not letting you go. Exactly. So you got Deshaun's not on the move yet. Russ looks like he'll be staying in Seattle. So you just, you don't know. Only Carson Wentz, really. And you've got Stafford in there. They've been moved. But at this point right now, now it seems like there's a holding pattern. So you're right. I think because they couldn't get Jimmy G yet, which they still can go after him. Um, Cam kind of became that backup plan in case they can't get Jimmy G later and or they don't draft a highly touted quarterback in the draft. Cam is still, you know, a good option for Bill Belichick, he feels. But I think this may be the bigger reason JT is at least now they have a quarterback in place, a former MVP. He still carries the name to draw those skill position players because think about who they've signed so far guys like Joe New Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Now granted those aren't big name free agents, but they better than what they had last. Exactly. Year. And think about if they didn't have cam in place beginning Friday morning, you know, you think Joe New Smith and Hunter Henry are going to walk in there and just sign without knowing who their quarterback could be. I don't think that that would happen. Um, so I think that is why they did it. Plus his low salary, because we don't know if he's going to get up the 14 million. That low salary, especially if he's the starting quarterback, allows them to spend in free agency as we've seen. Yeah, which they've been doing. So, you know, I'm kind of upset with you because you're building this episode as this March Madness thing. And like, you're just glossing over the NFL free agency part. So it is an NFL free agency show too. So we'll talk about that right now. Well, we're starting with the NFL, right? That's where we're giving them props, but we're building up to the NCAA tournament because that's that's what everyone's going to be interested in nah, this weekend. I disagree. I think people want to hear about free agency, but 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 this weekend, important. but this weekend, NFL free agency is going to be dying down unless there's a big trade. So this weekend is the NCAA tournament. You you got to admit that. All right. So admittedly, I haven't really been excited about this free agency season just because. My team, there's only one move for them to make. And until they make it, it doesn't matter What's to me. What's that one move? Remind all the fans because that's all you've been talking about to me. Yeah, the one move I'm waiting for is the Dolphins to, I don't know what they're doing, but make the move to trade for Deshaun Watson. You're so, not getting Deshaun. He's not leaving Houston. I told you. If he does, it's going to be post uh, June 1st. Yeah, and, and that's the only thing I've been hanging my hat on. I trust you with the post uh, the June 1st cut. So I'm like, I'm, I'm being patient, but – this free agency period turned out to be more exciting than I thought. So uh, I wasn't expecting it to be, you know, so many different names going somewhere that actually matter. But nonetheless, 
everybody's been watching over the past week or so, uh, NFL free agency, people have been signing left and right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all the interesting signings and discuss, but um, let's break it down to the categories. Let's break it down by that. So let's start off with the best free agent signing by a team. I know there's probably a couple in there, but just give me the, the best ones you have. Okay, I'm just going to give you two. I think the re-signing of Levante David by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for two years, $25 million, And I how, believe- How? How did they do that? I, I don't know. And that's the thing. And from what I've been reading, the cap hit for him for the Bucs in 2021 is only going to be $3.5 million. Now, I don't know if they're going to pay the price in 2022 well, and beyond, but what I think it is, what that deal is, it's what you said, two years, 24 million. I think it's like avoidable third year, I think is what it may but be. A lot of, but 20 million, I think of it as guaranteed. So maybe that's what's off the books. They Well, they could, I wonder if they could possibly spread that as well. Probably. That, that's always going to count against the cap, but they could possibly spread it. Um, but two years, 25 million, like you said, that keeps the defense i know they got uh devin white and they and they re-signed shaq bear but i thought this was the key signing at that amount and the other one real quick it's a lot of money but i think they need him because who he's going to protect joe tunney mm -hmm. going going to the chiefs now five years 80 million 32 and a half fully guaranteed it essentially becomes 48 million guaranteed because the third year, as long as he's not injured, he's going to get the guaranteed money. But JT, he only allowed two sacks last year. That's what you want out of the guy because you've got Patrick Mahomes back there. You can't let him take hits. You can't let him get sacked. And him being a guard and up the middle, maybe they can develop a strong run game up the finally, middle. Again. Finally, With they can stop doing uh, jet sweeps on the goal line and just run ahead <laughs> like a normal team. Right, you got Clyde edwards Hilaire who can get outside, but he can he can get up in the middle and get yards when you need it. So I thought that even though it was pricey, I thought that was a great pickup by the Chiefs. I agree with you because I had him on my list and I was pretty sure he was going to be one of your picks. I actually don't think it's that pricey when you look at some of the other lineman deals that got done in this free agency period, but I like the versatility. Like you said, he can play tackle too. They just let go of their two starting Schwartz, tackles, the Chiefs. Yep, Schwartz and Fisher. Yep. And I think they also today, before we got on, they signed Kyle Long. He came out of retirement, so he's with the Chiefs. So they're, the Chiefs are doing a good job with the offensive line. I think this move, if um, if he stays at guard, I think this is what makes Edwards Hilaire go off next year. I agree. I agree. Man, so I had three. One is kind of a a homer pick, so I'll say that for the last, but um, hope I'm saying his name right. I know his last name, Ngakwe, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Went to the Raiders, two years, $26 million. I don't even know who his agent is. Whoever the agent is, I think you need to have a serious conversation with him because how do you get a top 10 pass rusher for this cheap? I don't get it. Like, they break the market along with quarterbacks and left tackles. Two years at, what, $13 million per year max. Like elite pass rushers are getting like 20 million. That's what they're demanding. I don't understand how the Raiders pulled off that deal. But I mean, just think about this time last year, we were thinking, okay, like whenever he actually gets the chance to come up in free agency, he's going to reset the market as a pass rusher. Never saw this coming. So good deal by the Raiders. Also, um, the Browns, John Johnson, safety, used to play for the Rams. I like that because... I know we've talked about this off air sometimes, but I think he's probably one of the most underrated defenders in the league. And he's only 25 years old. 
three years, uh, 33 million, 24 million guaranteed. He was one of the main reasons probably the last two or three years the Rams defense has been elite because I know everybody thinks about Ramsey and Aaron Donald. They're elite, but there's other guys on that defense too. John Johnson probably made guys a lot of money and got some coaches hired to some positions that maybe they're not so qualified for. So I think it's good for the Browns because they need secondary help, especially at safety. So it's a great fit. And I think they got a young guy that's really good and coming into his own for cheap. And then the last one is Dolphin signing Jacoby Brissett as a backup. One year, $7 million. Like, don't backup quarterbacks usually get at least like $10 million a year, like the good ones that go in there. Glennon this is the guy and who you said was the best, best backup in the league. Remember, and they got him for literally nothing. Remember, Mike Glennon ended up being a backup with the Bears. Now, granted, it's it's the Bears, and, and no offense to our guy Dave at Bad Medicine Podcast, but – he was signed for $15 million a year, Mike Glenn, and now you're getting Jacoby Brissett, who I told you is the best backup quarterback I, in the in the NFL for half that price. So you're, yeah. you're set. Whatever happens with two, if he does great, great. If he ends up getting hurt or struggles, you got Brissett who can, can keep it going. I mean, and plus, I mean, Flores and Brissett work together with the Patriots, so obviously there's some familiarity there. But I just look at how much you're paying for that. Dalton, Chase Daniel, Tyrod Taylor, like those guys are all getting 10 million plus to, to, to either back up or be a starter. Like we got him for seven. I mean, Dolphins, they're doing the right things, being patient, but only striking when they have to in free agency. Flip it around. Worst. I feel like this list could go on forever. But I, how many you got? I got just one. And it's it's Judon. Four years, 56 million to the Patriots. Why do they need him, JT? Because they got no pass rushers. Ah, that's not true. They're, I believe they're moving Dante Hightower back to the outside. They still How got, old is he? They still got your dude, Chase Vinovich. And <laughs> forgive me, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but they got uh, Josh Uche. So Judon only had six sacks. But how many but How many pressures? Because I know he was – I felt like he was always in the quarterback's face last year. See, a part of it is – was it the defense he was playing with too? Now, granted, he's going to step into a good situation in New England. Yeah, good system. Yeah, but again, this isn't their homegrown type of guy that they like on defense. So to spend that much money, Well, homegrown hasn't exactly worked for Belichick since Brady left. So I think it's, it's been one be year, move, and I that mean, was on the offense. On the defensive side, you defense know – wasn't that great either. <laughs> They had a lot of guys out because of COVID. You yeah, know I know. But Belichick, though, well, well, the thing could be he saw Cam last year. He's like, all right, this is how far away we are. Let's start spending money. Well, you're going to see. It's going to end up being one of the worst, not just because of the contract, but the production. So you only had one? I only had one. I had three because I really want to talk about these three. I'm honorable mention AJ Green signed today one year eight million with the Cardinals don't know why people are really still excited about him he's been washed for a few years but that's too easy first is the lineman who I, when he's healthy he's a beast but I just don't understand why they spent this much on him and it's Trent Williams with the Niners six years 138 million 55 million guaranteed this is the biggest contract for a lineman offensive lineman in NFL history now, if this was five years ago, I'd be saying, you know what? Hey, great job. But he's 33. And let's not act like he's getting any younger. Let's not act like he's been the picture of health. He hasn't played a full season, I feel like, in like almost 10 years. And did we just forget what happened in Washington not that long ago before he got to the Niners? 
if he doesn't want to play, he's shown he will hold out. That's not the kind of guy I want to give this type of money to. And the contract, you the cap guy, to me, I feel like this puts the Niners in a bad spot, you know, with the cap down the line. You know, what if he falls off in, you know, after next season? Like, they still got to have him on the roster. It's going to be such a big cap hit. So uh, I'd like to re-sign it, but I wouldn't have gone that big. I think they could have given him the Joe uh, Tooney contract, and that would have been a little bit better, but that's just way too much money for Trent. Other one, former Steeler, Bud Dupree, five years, $82 million, $35 million guaranteed to the Titans. Personally, I'm probably picking at him a little bit because I've never been a Dupree fan, and I think he's benefited from, one, playing with the Steelers in that great defensive system, and then also being next to T.J. Watt. Like, that will help you. Also, he's coming off a torn ACL, and it's not like he tore it, like, in the beginning of the season. He had that injury in December. Like, doesn't that – that's going to essentially mean he's going to miss all of the offseason, all of the camps, and then he's going to be a question mark for week one, and he's not going to be right most of next year. And the thing I don't understand with the Titans is – if you're going to spend this much on a guy that's coming off an ACL injury who is okay production throughout his career, why not just run it back with Jadavion Clowney for much cheaper? Like, they could have done that. And then, personally, like I said, I'm not a Dupree fan. He's never had a good season when he's not in a contract year. So I know, what, 2019, 2020, he was playing for new contracts. I think he had, what, 11 and a half sacks one of those years and then, like, eight or seven sacks the other years. But... When he wasn't playing for a contract, let's say like 2015 through 18, he's never logged more than six sacks. So um, that's too rich for my blood to give a guy like that that much money. And then the last one is, I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree with me, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith go into the Patriots. So both tight ends, Belichick's going back to the old days when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Hunter Henry, three years, $37 million, $25 million guaranteed. John New gets four years, 50 million, 31 million guaranteed. It's not so much about them as players, but historically, I feel like in free agency, when you spend big at the tight end position, it usually doesn't work out. So I'm going to do a little, little trivia for you now, since I know you're going to give me back later. Do you know how many tight ends have received a contract in free agency that the guaranteed money was $20 million or more in the past four years? I do not. That number is 14. So 14 tight ends of the past four years have That's gotten 20, 20 million or more guaranteed. That's a lot. Do you know how many of those 14 have actually panned out? I'll go with two. Yes. And you know who they are. Name them for us. Kelsey and Kittle. That's it. So history says this is a bad move to overpay for non-elite tight ends. Now, Hunter Henry and Janu, they got upside they got ability but let's not act like they don't come with injury concerns like i don't think hunter henry's ever played a full season john knew he was hurt all of last year he's kind of still we're waiting for him to break out but if you look at the history of these numbers it looks like this is a bad move by the patriots they shouldn't have spent this money well just to play the other side real quick to defend new england here is that they had money to spend. It's kind of like what you always say with bad basketball teams someone got to put up the points well you have all this cap room <laughs> I said that one time, and I feel like when I said it, you laughed at me, but you started playing fantasy basketball. You're I like, kept, you know what? I kept there it up here. There are some dudes that aren't that good that put up 20 points a game. I kept it up here in my mind. So 
that's the same with the cap. JT, they have to spend a certain amount. There's, I believe there's a floor in the NFL, right? So you got to spend somewhere. And he's going back, probably looking and saying, you know what? We can't get Allen Robinson anymore. We can't get certain guys. You know what? Let's build with the tight end. And now he's got two athletic, sure-handed tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a big fan of Joe Smith. You know that I drafted him in, in fantasy football in one of our leagues. So to defend them, I kind of like those moves in that sense. I love the stat that you bring up because usually when you do got to go outside free agency to get guys, that's usually when it doesn't pan out. Man, because if I show you this list, unless I'm wrong, guys have gotten twenty million. I know, plus, but you'd be like, how? Unless I'm wrong, Kittle and Kelsey re-signed with their own team, right? Yeah, that's a like big, they never hit the open market. They exactly that. That's a big difference. So really, you're looking at what zero for twelve, really. And, and real quick with Bud Dupree, I really like that one. Um, and I figured you would say it, so I let you have it. But what I want to add to what you said is. I'm always hesitant when the Steelers let big time free agents go because they never pan out. There's a reason why, and you laugh, there's a reason why the Steelers let guys go. You You look at the history of the Steelers, you can go back to the mid 90s, you know, with the Chad Browns, the Yancey Thigpens, and then you're going throughout like Plexico Burris, and then want to go just Antonio Brown. Recently, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. There's a reason why they let those guys go is because they see what's coming and it's not worth the value. So great, great call on, on Bud Dupree. Sorry to shout out Yancey Thigpen and Chad Brown like that, but, you know. Hey, it is what it is. wasn't the same when they were with the Steelers once they left. So All right. All right. So everyone, if if your team signed somebody, you're probably happy. If you didn't get somebody, you're unhappy. But, um. Nonetheless, there's a lot of things going on. So let's take it to the most overrated player. So you're going to give me a player that is signed, that's overrated, and then one that's currently available that's a little overrated. Well, I just did one because a lot of the signings have happened at this point. So I'm just going to go the one that has signed that's most overrated, and you're going to laugh because we had opposites here. I got to go Yannick Ngakwe. You know, in, in everything you said is the reason why JT is so overrated. Oh, I can't believe he only signed for $13 million a year. Everyone else is getting 20 JT, it's all his name. That's it. What is? What did he do last year? He played for like three different teams. There's a reason why you start moving around like that, and you think he's going to be happy on two years, $26 million? Heck no. What, what's he going to, of course, of all the teams that go for him, it's the Raiders. Of course, that would be the team he goes to. He fits perfect there because it's the Raiders. Like, Why wouldn't why? the Steelers bring him in? Because I feel like that would have been a, he a very fit, shrewd move to do. But, but that's my whole point. He doesn't fit for the $13 million a year because you're not getting, you think you're getting like all pro production from him. I, I don't think you are going to get that. And then two, I just said why the Steelers want to bring him in. They don't want guys that are going to make the locker room worse. And you saw what he did in Jacksonville. Minnesota traded him like sorry situation. Okay, what about Minnesota? They got rid of him real quick, JT. Real quick. They knew they saw the writing on the wall with the guy. It's Uh, it's him. Sorry, it's the opposite of what you said. We're going to find out. I got two overrated signings, so I'll probably get a lot of flack for these. But this is just personal opinion how I feel about the situation. One is Kyle Juszczyk. I don't understand how this fullback keeps getting paid more than some running backs that are doing more work than he does actually running the ball. 
I know he's I know he's a good player, like like on the field overall. Like he helps the running game. He can, he's a mismatch out of the backfield. How to deploy him? He can occasionally run the rock. But I'm sorry, when I turn on 49ers games, it ain't him doing the damage. It's Jeff Wilson. It's Raheem Mostert. It's these other guys. And I think they just signed him to what a 27 million dollar deal. And before that, he had signed this ridiculous deal that a fullback had never seen before. I don't understand why the Niners keep giving him big contracts instead of drafting somebody that can do the things that he does and it's cheaper because, because maybe they can't, they can't find it. Think about, think about all the guys they just I get rotated. The versatility, but, but, but at they, some point it becomes like diminishing returns. Like what is he no, actually bringing the team? But not really. See, I think that's what you're missing. We're not X's and O's all the time watching 49er film. I bet you when the coaches see that there's a reason why they bring them back. And there's a reason why they can afford that because look at their running back list. They're churning those guys. They're churning them out on rookie deals, so they can afford that versatility at a position. It's like the tight end position. You might say, "Well, you know, hey, you know, George Kittle's really good, but you know, he's he's not Antonio Brown from three years ago." Yeah, of course not. But because that position doesn't have many great players, his values increase, and that's the way they look at at. Well, was the position? Is there not that many good players at the position because a lot of teams don't? you know, deploy that position. I get it. But here's the thing. That's true. I look at that team. He is good. Like, I feel like anytime he gets hurt, the running game suffers. I think it's more of how they use him more than his actual skill level. But here's the thing. The 49ers have shown they have an eye for talent for anybody that can run the rock. (laughs) So why pay him twice again a big contract? Just go get somebody. You've done... You, this is what you do well. You get again, running backs in there. Again, the way they use him, you just said it, and I totally disagree with you, where you're like, you know, they know how to use him so they can go get anyone. I don't believe that's true, and I think the 49ers don't believe that's true. They don't agree with you. They agree with me well, because yeah. if that was true, they would do what you said. Let him go. Don't pay him $27 million and go get some other guy in the fifth round. But that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I never thought we'd spend this much time talking about Kyle Juszczyk, but clearly you're animated about the situation. Um, My other overrated signing was Aaron Jones, going back to the Packers. I get it. They're trying to win now while they have A-Rod happy, but you got Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, who you drafted in the second round last year. Why break the bank for a running back when you could just use those guys? Because both of them are good, and you could have got Jamal for cheap, and Dylan's under a second round rookie contract. Like, I don't understand why you waste $48, $50 million on Aaron Jones. Well, I totally agree with you because you know my feeling about giving that big contract to the to a running back. So I totally agree with you. Only thing I can think of is they're going all in for Aaron Rodgers before That's he the leaves. Reason, yeah. Yep. All right. Flip it over. Um, most underrated player either signed or currently available. I told you we had opposites. Who was one of your best signings? John Johnson, right? Yeah. I've got him as most underrated. Three years, $33.75 million. I, think 20, I agree with you. We're 20, agreeing with you. I know. I agree. And I agree with you. I'm just saying most underrated. $24 million guaranteed. Rave reviews. 105 tackles. Detroit wanted him. Philly was interested. Jacksonville was interested. And this is the one stat I got for you to back up your point about him, JT. Pro football focus. We yes. know that's, that's everything now. That's law. That's the Bible. <laughs> Third highest graded player at his position in 2020. Nice. Brown's got a steal. That's it? The one guy? I, hey, I'm I'm going by the question. I'm going one guy. You can have your 500, but go ahead. 
I got two. One, Big Ben, one year, $14 million. They got him down. <laughs> they got oh, the cap number down. I got to give, give him props to give him to come back because they need him more than ever right now. But the real guy that I think is the underrated signing is um, Matt Milano, linebacker for the Bills. I know he got a deal north of $40 million, but I'm pretty sure the average fan doesn't know who he is. But you look at the impact he had on the Bills last year on that defense. When he missed games, they gave up almost 30 points a game. When he played, that number dropped down to 20. So that's a 10-point swing. In the NFL, that's the difference between getting the first round by and not making the playoffs. That's huge. And then last year, the Bills were 12-1 and when he actually played. I know people get signed that we don't know about, but he is really important to the Bills. So he'll be crucial for them uh, building on what they did last year. Nice. Nice. I, I like that one. Shout out to... I do have underrated still available. Oh, I don't know See? how. Kenny Galladay and Will Fuller. I don't understand how two elite game breakers when they're healthy are still available. You said the keyword. You said the keyword when healthy plus Will Fuller suspended by the league. You gotta factor that in. All right. So I've been do you, pumping do you up. think people are thinking just because he juiced last year that Will Fuller is not as good as he looked? No, I think I think everyone knows he he can play. He can play. Right, cool. I think the injury does scare some teams, most teams probably. So I've been pumping up this episode as the March Madness episode, along with the free agency. So we're done nah, with free you agency. Ain't been doing it that much justice. Come on, keep we're, it real. Let, we're done with free agency, JT. Let it go. We're on to the NCAA tournament in March Madness. So. First question, JT, what is the storyline or storylines, if you have a couple, you are most looking forward to with this particular NCAA tournament? You know what's so crazy? So this falls in the same category as free agency. I really wasn't into college basketball this year, but you look up and this tournament has a boatload of storylines. Real storyline should be how there's no Duke of Kentucky in this tournament. <laughs> like, I think I think there was somehow it's going to be it's going to be good for the tournament. First time since like 1976, I believe both teams are out. And I forgot UNC was even in this tournament for a minute. Like that's how like uninteresting ACC basketball has been they're, this year. They're right? only an eighth seed. So yeah, they're eight, yeah. There's a few storylines that I'm really interested in. One, um, if I'm stealing this from you. Forgive me, Rick Patino taking out Ona to the dance. <laughs> man, good coaching always finds a way, man. Like, I know you don't really care for Patino right now after what he did in his last stop, but last I mean, stops, plural yeah, stops. But I mean, history is history. He's what the third coach in history of college basketball to lead five different programs to the tournament. Like, that's crazy. And he, I mean, he clearly doesn't have the talent at Ona that he has at, he had at Louisville. So, um, I know he's not your favorite person, but that is a huge storyline, especially if they start winning some games. Um, next, Jawan Howard, uh, first person to play in the NCAA tournament as a number one seed and serve as a coach for a number one seed. Ooh, so you I, think know, you're, I want to stop this show. Hold on. Pause the show. Time out. I need a T.O. right oh, now. You go with this foolishness. You have done your research in this episode. I love it. Why don't you bring this sort of dedication and research and homework to every episode. I don't know, man. The greats always play when they want to. Um, 
Uh, but I mean, a, that's a terrible attitude. I know, I know ahead. our boy. Our, this is, our this is what I'm dealing with for the fans out there. This is what I got to deal with now. Episode 79. I've had to deal with this attitude for 79 episodes. Come on, you pay me more, we won't have an issue. Oh, but no, I mean, oh, you sound like all the free agents that we talked about. I want my two years, 26 million. So, <laughs> but Michigan's got a lot of hype, they're number one seed. So, we'll see how they do. Shout out to you know who. <laughs> um. Another storyline to me that's interesting is Creighton. So the coach, they suspended him uh, with Gray McDermott. He was using a racially insensitive language back in February. <laughs> he got reinstated following a four-day quote-unquote suspension. So now they're the fifth seed. So I want to see how teams play them, knowing that he's coaching them and, like, you know, how he handles if they keep winning, how he handles like the media questions and the attention after that. Cause that story is going to come up every time that he's got to talk in front of a, um, in front of a camera. And then the last can't, can't have a March madness without sister Jean Dolores. So she's going in a pandemic to cheer on the Chicago Loyola Ramblers. Um, she's a hundred years old. So I know she'll be a big story as long as they're winning games. Are you done? Finally? I'm done. Are you, are you done? Wow. Multiple storylines. All right. I got two quick ones. Gonzaga. Can they go undefeated? The first team since the 75-76 Indiana Hoosiers. Can they complete the whole season? We saw this in, I believe, 2014. St. was the last one to go undefeated like that? Like, they went to the tournament like that? Was St. Joe's and who else? No, 2014-15, that Kentucky Wildcats Kentucky, team. Yeah, that's right, too. They actually got to the final and lost. So they, they were undefeated the whole year, got to the NCAA finals and lost. So let's see. And then you had UNLV uh, do that, I believe, in 90-91. Uh, so can they do it? It's difficult, JT. A lot of people feel they have an easy region, an easy bracket to get to the final four. So so we'll see, and we'll, we'll get to our predictions in a second. And then also the other thing is, man, I just like watching this guy play, and I think he should be a storyline is – Cade Cunningham. Oh, yeah. And, sure. and if he can carry Oklahoma State, I mean, he's averaging 22, 20.2 points a game, 6.3 rebounds a game, and 3.6 assists a game, shoots over 40% from three from three-point range. I mean, he's monster. monster. He is. He's the real deal. He is. Like he's 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 that type of player. He's the he could carry a team by himself all the way to a championship. Exactly. And that's why I want to see that. And I think he's the best player on the court in this NCAA tournament, no matter who they play. So hold on. So speaking of Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, so we didn't mention this as a storyline, but it's funny. So is it official that they'll get to play out the whole tournament and like their whole postseason ban? Like, is it still an appeal or is it like been decided that there's not going to be a ban? I don't, I don't know. I, I think know. that's still up in the air. I think they've pushed it back to after the season, but at any time their postseason ban, like appeal decision could come down and I guess they could be out. And then, you know, the whole COVID stand in team thing is weird too. Well, I think that would have to happen in terms of the COVID uh, stand in team. It would have to happen before the first games. Yeah. So once they're playing, then, then it's too late. I highly doubt in a year like this, the NCAA is going to come down on Oklahoma State during the tournament if they're Especially still when in they it. they got probably the best player in the tournament <laughs> on that team. And if they're still in it, right? If they're, yeah, if yeah, they're yeah. gone by that point, they probably will. So I mentioned it. All right. Let's go right into it. Final four prediction and who you got winning the title. 
Yo, so I almost forgot to fill out my damn bracket because this is a weird year. It is. It is. So I, while I was preparing for this, I was like, you know, let me just put it in stone. I, I sit in my bracket. So this is what's on it. So my final four is Gonzaga versus Florida State and Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Wow. You're going Oklahoma State and then Florida State. Wow. Okay. I've got Gonzaga. I've got Michigan. I, I don't see how you can go against Michigan right Yo, now. Yo, you are you are you being threatened by somebody? Do you do you are, blink if you're okay, if you need help? All right, cool. We'll send the authorities <laughs> um, over there to help you out. <laughs> um, Illinois. I don't know how you're going against Illinois. I mean, listen, you know, Cade Cunningham, the guy's great, but Illinois is just too difficult, too much firepower there. And then this is the team, I think that you're going to probably laugh at, but I got Arkansas, Arkansas. You always do stuff like this. So I'm not really shocked. (laughs) I had to have one of those. Come on. Yeah. One of those crazy things that you're going to, when it doesn't work out, you'll come back and just be like, you know, I I really took a risk. Nah, you just trying to do shock value stuff. So (laughs) I get it. I'm used to you at this point. Good, good. Actually, that's not a good thing. I always wanted to be shock value with you who you got winning it all then. Um, I got the Zags winning it. Wow. Okay. I've got them in the final game against Illinois, but I got Illinois taking it home. I got them in the championship against Oklahoma State. Gonzaga, you mean? Yep. Okay. Whoa. Oklahoma State. Wow. True believer of Cade. All right. Well, you heard it there. My bracket's going to be blown up. (laughs) (laughs) I think every, I think, I think both of ours are. All right. So, let, let, let's make it even more fun now talking about uh, bracket busters. What's the biggest upset you got in the first round? You know, it's crazy. There's so many that you could pick from. And I feel like you can't go wrong with about five or six games. But to me, I'm going to go with number 14, Abilene Christian. Oh, that was Texas. mine. That was mine. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Like if like if I had a hookup in Vegas and he gave me like the wink week deal, he'd be like, yo, put your money on this game to be the upset because it's too easy. Like think about the last time that Texas actually won like a tournament game. I don't even think Abilene Christian was like a D1 team. Like they couldn't even be in the tournament. And you look at since Abilene has been D1 eligible, like they have more tournament success than Texas. So uh, there's other ones, but that one I feel like the most confident about. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm mad I didn't get to go first because that's who I had two years ago. They made it with almost the same guys, and they were just younger, mm-hmm. and and they played a really good game. So I've got to believe Abilene Christian. I've got them down. I'm looking at the bracket now just to give fans another opportunity of an upset because that was you know like I said that was that was my that was yours. Pick. Want me, want, me, want me to give another one? No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you claim that one, and I'll. Give no, you no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll give one then. I'm gonna go Morehead State beating West Virginia. Look out for that. West Virginia. I pick them every year to win the game. They, they always, they're always the first team that busts up my bracket. <laughs> well, hopefully they do it again because that means I'm right with Morehead State. All right, sleeper team that could make the Sweet 16. So it doesn't need an Abil. It doesn't need to be like Abilene Christian seeding team but just who's that sleeper that's under the radar but you know it it could possibly be in like a power five conference so it's funny you you phrased it like that i had abilene christian obviously we both did for the first round game but i feel like this team could do the same thing and it's number 12 winthrop okay like 
Think about to, it. To the Sweet 16, though. To the said. Sweet 16. Okay, okay. They're 23 and 1 on the season. They got what? Villanova, the five seed, the first round, right? They just lost uh, Colin Gillespie with a knee injury. That's a big loss for them. So that that game is up in the air. And then let's assume the next round they make it to Iowa, which is a four seed in the second round. I think they can play with them. I know Iowa's got size. I think they got a kid that's seven four, and another uh, another kid that's pretty big in the post. DJ well, they got, Burns, they got Luca Garza. Come on, yeah, DJ Burns, like for Winthrop, can hold his own. Like he is a former SEC player that people forgot transferred to Winthrop. So this is where I think it'll come down to in that game if they have to play Iowa. Is yes, Iowa has good good bigs, but they got freshman guards. And Winthrop has experienced senior guards, uh, Charles Falden and Adonis Arms. You know, in the tournament, March Madness is always about experience, elite guard play. And if you got that, you got a chance. I agree. I agree. I've, I've got two because you know one of them already is Arkansas. I mean, they went 22 yeah. and six, 13 and four in the conference. Is they'll Nolan back coaching again? They'll, they'll probably lose in the first round because I'm picking them, but. I think they're the sleeper team. This team puts up points. I mean, you know, I read an article today where it's like, don't blink because you might miss them. So I love teams that play that way. Yeah. And in the NCAA tournament, especially during this year where maybe the conditioning's not as good for certain teams, I think, you know, that would be where Arkansas can catch some of these teams. I mean, um, and then the other team is... Michigan State, now it has the name, I understand, but they're playing one of those first four games, all right? So they got to beat UCLA first, and even if they do, they're an 11 seed, all right? So being an 11 seed, I like that matchup against BYU, and then, you know, they get through that, you talk about possibly Texas, maybe in Alabama, which you know, yes, Alabama's playing well, but they're still not a powerhouse in basketball. So yeah, I was, I was. It still sounds weird that they made it as far as they did. <laughs> like I, they're a two seed. Still sound really weird. Right. I have Michigan State in my bracket, which is probably the worst in in the in the U.S. I have them in the Elite Eight. So I've got Michigan State playing Michigan in the Elite Eight. Of course, losing the Michigan. So that's that's my sleeper team. And by the way, the Razorbacks, JT. They average 82. Bro, you getting paid by Arkansas or something? Because you mentioned them way too much on this show. We get it. You like them. 82.4 points a game. They're going to be fun to watch. Watch them, okay? Just just watch them. Listen to me. Yeah, you got Listen no choice but to watch them down. <laughs> All right. So, best player in the tournament. Who you got? I, do we have the same person? Because I feel like we, we probably do. Well, I got a second player because you know one of mine's Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I've I got Kate said. Cunningham. Okay. And I'm not even going to mess around. All right. I mean, the, the other guy I want to throw out there from Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, 7 1, averages almost 14 points, seven and a half boards, a block and a half a game. And JT, this guy, I don't know if you watched the Big Ten tournament, this guy can defend guards in the backcourt. All right. He can defend guards in the backcourt, steal the ball, and oh, go you, dunk it. I'm going to say this again. Blink if you're in trouble because you're going – yeah, okay. All right, so if you hear him say anything about Michigan, you know he's in trouble. He's, I think he's being forced to say these things. But uh, don't worry, we'll get you help. But Yeah, it's Cade Cunningham. I'm not even messing around with it. I mean, what? What can we say? 6'8", 220, can shoot from all three levels, gets to the rim with ease. 
great rebounder. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. He just looks different out there, like when you watch him. And I know I'm probably saying this so I could back up my choice that I picked him to go this far in the tournament. He just gives me Carmelo Anthony vibes. Like, I just think that you haven't seen a guy that can carry a team like that, one guy all the way to a championship game. And I think Cade can do it. You know, we tend to forget, though, how good that Syracuse Oh, yeah, yeah, they had that. They had some players. They had some players. Let's not forget. Yeah, Carmelo yeah, but, was the guy, but. But Melo just looked different in college. Like, he just looked different that, that one year he was there. Like, you just knew, all right, this dude's going to be an NBA stud. And maybe that's Hunter Dickinson, though, of Michigan. But I, yeah. I got you with Cade Cunningham. That's why I just had a second name, because I knew you were going to go Cade as well. All right, so we're going to stick with basketball, but we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA trade deadline. So we know what's coming up on the 25th. We keep hearing a lot of things that are going to happen. We see a lot of movement. A lot of guys are getting held out for no reason, messing up our fantasy teams. So let's talk about what we think will happen. So who do you think should be the most coveted player during the trade deadline? Like, no doubt about it. Dude, it's my guy. Nikola yeah, Vucevic. Oh, for Come sure. on. Vucevic. 25 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, 3.7 assists. And this is the most amazing thing. He's 30, okay? But he has two and a half years left on a contract, JT, that ranks him the 43rd highest paid player. 43rd highest. This guy's an all-star. How did the Magic do that? Because I feel like it wasn't. On purpose. That, that's not a magic thing that, to strike yeah. gold like that, huh? Yeah, they wouldn't normally do that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's Vooch. It's not even close. But you just look at where he would go. He he locks you into being a top four team. So if he went to Boston, the Lakers, the Nets, Blazers, Wizards, Raptors, like all those teams become a top four team instantly in my book. So anytime there's a guy out there like that, he got to be the most coveted. Yep. But I know you really don't want the magic to move, Vooch, because I think you – I, you legit would probably shed a tear. I think well, you would cry, depending like, on what they get in return. Yeah, I like him a lot. One of my favorite Orlando Magic players of all time. He's up there, easily top five, maybe top three. I mean, I mean, there's only five Orlando Orlando Magic players that you can like. That's not true. Number Ooh, one, Pen, oh, Ty, Penny, Penny Shack, Dwight Howard, uh, Turk Glue, and who else? No. Nah. Tied, tied for number one is T-Mac. And see, you forgot Tracy McGrady, bro. T-Mac, never talk about it. T-Mac and Nick Anderson. They're they're my 1A and 1B. All right. One cool. or, I'm sorry, 1 and 1A. So Nick I, Anderson, Vooch has moved into your territory. Congratulations. <laughs> but um, but, just give me a couple moves that you think teams should be making during the deadline. Okay, two quick moves. The Knicks, go get Zach Levine. All right, you're in the eighth Ooh. spot right now. You're in the eighth spot right now. You're only half a game up on the ninth uh, seed. Go get Zach Levine. Don't give up Julius Randle for him, but go get Zach Levine. And then the Milwaukee Bucks, go make two moves. Go get my guy, Vucevic, all right? And then go get Austin Rivers, a shooter, all right? All right. Get those two guys, you, especially if Embiid's hurt, you're in the you're in the finals. I like the – like Even with the Nets – that's a great – they're a great opposite of the Nets at that point if they can get Vucevic. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the Levine to the Knicks because Tibbs is there, so that makes sense. He's played with them before. Um, Got a couple moves I think that should be done. One, the Celtics need to find a way to go get Vucevic. They need to make that happen. They need to give up Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson, 
picks in Kimball Walker. Like, whatever it takes, short of Marcus Smart, uh, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, go make it happen and go get Vucevic. I think that's what essentially wins them the Eastern Conference. Mavs, I think they need to trade for either Andre Drummond or John Collins because I think Luka would fit. And I keep hearing that they're not going to trade Porzingis. But usually when you start hearing that, that means like they probably do want to trade him because they banked on him staying healthy and it hasn't worked out. So but I see, think that's the need... thing. Who who would want him? In no, I don't think I don't think they're going to get... trade Porzingis. I don't think they can, but I think they need to go get one of these guys just in case okay. he's not dependable because they're not winning it just with Luca. And the other one is the Warriors. Now, this depends on if they're in full tank mode or if they want to try to win this year and then have the, de- the deck stack when Clay comes back next season. I think they need to go get John Collins and Terrence Ross from the Magic. I think that's what they need to do. Ross is a shooter. He's, he can score. And then Collins is just being wasted in Atlanta because there's just too many people there. He's not getting along with Trey Young. He wants out. Every time I watch the Hawks, man, he is he's the freakiest athlete on the court, man. I, I just don't understand how like more people aren't trying to go out now, and you, get him. You said Golden State should go after him? Yeah. But doesn't he end up in a log jam there with Draymond Green and Wiseman? I think that makes it work. I because I read something that they're not they're not giving up Wiseman, but like I said, when you usually hear that, that means people have been approaching them about it. So if it depends on what the Warriors want to do, like if they're trying to, you know, stay with the protected pick, then they probably won't do that. But if they see like, all right, we can make a run of it, we go get some guys, and then they'll be here, and then Clay will come back, and we can make one more run at this dynasty that we had. I think they can be players and go get some of these guys. Okay. All right. Any other moves before we move on? Nah. I just know. I feel like Kyle, Kyle Lowry is going to be moved somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, I, I see him all over the trade rumors. Um, just don't come to the Heat. <laughs> Actually, you know what do come to the Heat. I'll, if it's he, not too expensive, he's he's a gritty Pat Riley guy. I think it could work. So the contract is $30.1 million, I think I read, but it's on an expiring contract. So as long as you're not giving up too much for him, he's, he's basically a rent-a-player. So, yeah. All right, well, let's go to football. Let's end the show on football. Drew Brees announced earlier this week that he is hanging up the cleats after 20 seasons in the NFL and will work for NBC. Now, JT, as you remember, we previously discussed in episode 75 where we ranked Drew Brees all-time among quarterbacks. So this episode, let's delve into some other questions about his illustrious career. First, any doubt that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer? No. And I, no. And he has the stats and the media and the fans wanted to be a first ballot person. So I think it's just going to be an easy, like, walk it up. He's like, walk the cue card up there. No doubt this is such a JT question. So next, what is Drew Brees' best, or in your opinion, or in your mind, the best Drew Brees moment? <laughs> You're going to laugh at me? To me, his best moment was not signing with the Dolphins back in 2006. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> no, that's, you, a, that's a I know, great I know point. I'm not laughing. <laughs> I like it. He's got a ton of plays on the field, but I promise you, none more important than him making that move to not come to us because if he comes to us in 2006, we're not even having this topic in the show. Yep, that's true. Um, I mean, you got to go with him winning Super Bowl 44 uh, against Peyton Manning. Um, 
And everyone remembers the photo with the confetti coming down, Drew Brees holding his his son. Uh, Drew Brees did throw the go-ahead touchdown in that game to Jeremy Shockey with about five minutes to go before, uh, I believe, Tracy Porter capped, you know, put put the nail in the coffin with the, uh, with the pick six. Uh, how will Drew Brees be remembered in NFL history, in your opinion? Um, I know recently he had some controversy, but I don't think people will really remember that. Um, I think he'll be, be remembered for bringing New Orleans back as a community after Katrina. Um, just being a major influence in that community throughout his time. Like anybody you talk to that's in New Orleans, that's anybody like they vouch for Drew Brees as far as his work in the community. So I think that's going to really be a part of his legacy. Also, um, putting up a ton of stats and showing that you don't have to be the prototype to be a successful NFL quarterback is what he'll be remembered for. Boy, you you stole my notes in this episode. I mean, either you're you're getting a, just amazing at this, or you have someone in the production team stealing my notes. <laughs> sometimes right. I want to show up. Sometimes you know, <laughs> that's the attitude I'm dealing with, people. That's what I'm talking about. You know, you got to be great every episode. That's what we pay yeah, you for. Just give me my, give me my two years, twenty six million. See, there you go, Yannick and Gakwe, right there. All right, um, I, I totally agree with you. He's going to be remembered as one of the all time greats. Um, plus, he gave hope, and he kind of changed that mindset that you don't need to be the the big six five quarterback with a huge arm, right? So he he did he did change that opinion. And the other I, part, I, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna um I was gonna add on too. I feel like another thing that I'm gonna remember about Drew Brees is it says a lot about him, how people feel about him in that damn locker room as teammates, because I feel like when he went through the incident with the whole like kneeling for the anthem thing, like they deaded that right away. And they were like, you know what? We love Drew. We talked to him, it's dead, it's over, we going, we going forward. And you just see how guys like Michael Thomas talk about him at the retirement, like that's not even on their radar. So it just, to me, I think he'll also be remembered as like a probably one of the best leaders that we never knew about in the locker room, like with his teammates. Yeah. And I love how you cut me off midstream to give yourself another, I told you to go, but you didn't want to go to throw in another opinion of yours, man. You let one, I give you one compliment. You let it go to your head and now you're interrupting me, man. My bad. I'll go back to Ngakwe mode. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and to the other point that you mentioned before you you interrupted me was uh, him after Katrina, right? Being there for the city and really saving the New Orleans Saints franchise, in my opinion, because the stadium had been damaged. They come back that Monday night game. We know what happened against Atlanta, but he really kind of revitalized that franchise for the next 15, 16 years, JT. He put them on the map to be able to draw in certain guys and for the offense to be that way, which helped Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. So um, yeah, not only was he great to the city, but like you said, in that locker room. Now, this is, this is a question. Again, this is a JT question because this is totally out of the blue, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So why did you allow it into the show? Because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Cause I gave you other things. I don't, don't want to hurt about. your feelings. The production team you know, I sat with them over time while you were at home, who knows doing what, probably lifting weights. Um, I spoke with the production team. We, we wanted it in there. We said, you know, we don't want to hurt JT's feelings. So the last two seasons, 
who's had the better of the last two seasons, Drew Brees or Dak Prescott? So I I preface this because they both missed like significant amount of time over the past three years. So let's just do the past three years, 2018. Like, cause their, their, their games played like really match up. I wanted it to be Dak so bad. When you really look at the numbers, I think it's Breeze. He has more touchdowns, more game winning drives, less interceptions, higher completion percentage, higher quarterback rating. Only thing Dak had on him was uh, more passing yards. Breeze, Breeze is 30 and eight in 38 games played during that time frame. Dak is 20 and 17 and 37. Also, the thing that I that pushed me over the edge with Breeze is I feel like Drew Breeze gets so much flack the past couple of years about, oh, you know, he doesn't have the downfield arm strength anymore. He, he You know, he's just throwing a little short routes. But when you look over the past three years at him and Dak's like yards per attempt and yards per completion, they're actually really close, which I was shocked about. So that was probably the only edge I was going to give the Dak, but that still goes in Breeze's favor. So going with the Hall of Famer. So I want to start with the arm there. I think this answer is Dak Prescott because Drew Brees, like you said, a lot of questions about the arm strength. And I think that's the whole perception. Put away all the stats. You did a great job coming up with the stats. And you know, normally I love stats. I threw those out the window. Unless they don't don't fit your argument. (laughs) Unless they don't fit my narrative. (laughs) No, but this is why I threw it out the window. Because if you look at it, in general, at a macro view, you've got Drew Brees, a lot of questions about his arm strength. He really did have more of the playmakers throughout those three years. Oh, for sure. Okay. And just the way he went out, losing back-to-back home playoff games. Getting knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you know, getting knocked out early, getting upset in, in, in those games, all right, being the favorite. Then you turn around and you look at Dak, JT. What just happened this offseason? Dak got paid, right? And he was injured on top of that, but he still got paid. And his value went up, in fact, over the last three years, especially this past year, while he was injured. He became an elite quarterback in everyone's mind when Drew Brees was not viewed that way anymore. He was seen as the old guy over the hill, arm strength not there, in that if the Saints had someone else that could throw it downfield, they'd be better off. So that's why I say throw the stats out because in this situation, all right, you have to look at people's opinion, whether it's in the NFL media or fans and Dax is way high and Drew Brees right now of the past three years, maybe at an all time low for his standards. Yeah. I test tells me Dak just because i I like where he's at. Obviously, he's younger. Drew Brees is, like you said, deteriorating. It's just some of the numbers he was so much better in, and they basically missed the same amount of time over the past three years. Like, I know Dak had this year cut the past season cut short, but, I mean, it was really how close they were in yards per attempt and yards um, per completion because that's the only knock on Drew Brees is that he throws it short. It's like but, he's but got him beat in every other category, well, and they're throwing the same level of depth of average depth. Of, um, in, 2018, in 2018, who was Dak Prescott throwing to? I agree. When he got Amari Cooper, I think his trajectory went up. Exactly. And this year was the only year he had, and he only had him for, what, four games with C.D. Lamb. So – I mean, you look at Drew Brees, he always had Kamara coming out of the backfield. 
and we forget how good Mark Ingram was back in well, I mean, 2018. If you want to, yeah. I get what you're saying. You're 100% right. But if you look at last year, Kamara was basically hurt all of last year. So he wasn't the same guy. And then this year he didn't have Michael Thomas. So I, I the circumstances in a roundabout weird way are similar. Dak right now, I, if I had to pay somebody a contract, obviously I would pay him, but that's why he they had the better. They really of the haven't years. been that different over the past That's three years when you look at the stats. You look at everything, though. He had the better of the years. Dak's value is going in, is going up at an all time high, and, and Drew Brees is not, obviously. And that's Sorry, why he that's why he retired. So before we end the show, we got to do some. Let's do some trivia time. NBA JT, I saw this stat. Zion is averaging twenty five points per game while shooting sixty one percent from the field. Only two players have accomplished that in an entire NBA season. He's just trucking people. <laughs> who, who are they? Oh, have you seen Zion's highlights? Like, literally, it's just him running into the biggest dudes in the NBA who we thought were strong, and they just being moved. <laughs> He's a strong guy. I who- seen him. I see him. Um, who did I see him bulldoze the other night? I was like, damn, he just moved that dude. I know Rudy Gobert was on that list, but. That Zion is different, but um, I'm gonna assume Wilt Chamberlain's got to be one of those guys. Nope, no, nope. So 20, 20 you said 23 points and how much percentage? From the I'll field? give you uh 25 points per game while shooting 61 percent from the field. Damn, I'll um, give you a check. These guys were dominant in the 80s, these two guys, oh. and then into the early 90s. Dominique, nope. I'll give you one more guess to get at least one of them right. If not, we're going to cut it off. Uh, I would say maybe Carl Malone. Ooh, no, you're getting closer, though. Kevin McHale and Charles Barkley. Ah, damn. Barkley was going to be my next guest. All right. Listen, NCAA tournament, we can't leave, though, without some NCAA tournament trivia. Let me start you off with an easy one here. Which team, and it's a multiple choice, which team has won the most national titles in the history of the NCAA tournament? Duke, North Carolina, USC, or UCLA? UCLA. UCLA, he got it right. All right, this is a tough one. I, I didn't even know the answer to this. Which team from the 1980s was known as the Doctors of Dunk? I'll give you multiple choice again. Louisville, Iowa, Ohio State, or Indiana? Indiana. Oh, nope, Louisville. It uh, was Louisville. All right, let me give you, let, let's go, let's go one more. Only one time in tournament history did the four number one seeds make the final four. Which, which year was that? 2018, 1999, 2008, or 2013? 99? Nope, 2008. UCLA, Memphis, Kansas, and North Carolina. Uh, thought you would get that one, man. I thought you would get that one. I didn't. Let's go. All right, well, that wraps up another great episode of JT and the, and the Don. Remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, enjoy the big weekend. 
of March Madness Games. Good luck to your bracket. And JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.